4: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a big hour coming your way. Senator Joni Ernst is going to be with us. She's fresh off our border visit. Uh, she's also been overseas, very active with Ukraine, as well as what's happening in the Middle East. Really taking a more active role, uh, I think, since she won re-election. And Charles Hurd, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Washington Times. So they'll both be with us. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope everybody had a chance to get outside just a little bit and then get back into action because— Next thing you know, this summer is going to be over. So you got to have a time to decompress. But wherever you go, people are talking politics more engaged than ever before. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's
5: Big Three. Number three. What we have to realize, though, is that Saudi Arabia has been a partner for 80 years. Joe Biden comes along, though, and says he's going to treat them like a pariah and ostracize them. And it's not surprising that he didn't accomplish much on this trip. Middle
4: East jaunt, a muddled, fist-bumping mess. How the president's quest for oil and influence fell short on every turn.
2: Number two. The Fox News polls are pretty telling. 56% approved of him a year ago. 40% approve now. 59% disapprove of Joe Biden's job performance.
4: Pushing out way too old Joe. As his personal polls plummet, party leaders and friendly media are looking to give Joe the heave-ho. But there's only two men that matter in this decision. Obama and Trump, I will explain, as both sides jostle for midterm victory. Number one.
6: You have people like Manchin, cinema, Cinema, to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want.
4: Maybe the majority of the Democratic caucus, but not the American people. Economic anger and blaming Manchin for it all. Dems are recoiling because they they can't spin the numbers, but Americans feel the pain. And what I'm talking about is this. Joe Manchin last week said inflation is at 9%. You want to do spending on universal pre-K. You want to do spending on subsidies for Obamacare, which, by the way, they said should be paying for itself by now. You want to do all this spending on climate programs. This is not the time. I don't want to do it. So they immediately say Joe Manchin from a fossil fuel state is doesn't care about the environment, wants his billionaire supporters to become multi-billionaires. Not the case. People that work in coal, uh, coal oil, and gas are not billionaires. They're hardworking Americans, and they know we need fossil fuels or else the president of the United States wouldn't have been overseas asking for uh, Saudi Arabia to pump more and for OPEC to do more. So for the most part, what I mean about in the opening, when I talked about the Middle East mess, they never had clear objectives or why they were making the trip. If they, if For me, India being there was just as important as Israel and Saudi Arabia. India buying Russian oil at the way they're doing it is really hurting the Ukrainian war effort, costing us dollars and Ukrainian lives, allowing Russia to continue to be overflowed. I expect it from China. I did not expect it from India. We have some leverage there. At least get them to level off. The bigger story, Iran deal. We're looking to get them back into Iran deal and we made him a huge offer that's going to cost the American taxpayer billions of dollars and a trillion by twenty thirty if we stay if they stay off what they say is a nuclear weapons footing. Really? I I didn't know anything about this. Democratic senators know nothing about it. Obviously, Republicans know nothing about it. When was this done? So when it came to Saudi Arabia and giving the fist bump, it doesn't surprise me. Number one, you asked for the meeting. Number two, you're the one who called him a pariah. Number three, get your staff to work it out where you don't have an entrance where the crown prince is meeting you at the opening of the beast door in front of the building in which you're going to meet with the crown prince. What you do is have your people say ahead of time, hey, listen, um, we're not going to do a handshake. We're not going to do a fist bump. We're just going to uh, meet you inside. And if they have a problem with that, then you, and you still want the meeting, then you get ahead of it. I'm going to be shaking hands or fist bumping with the crown prince. Our countries have been friends for 90 years. What happened in 2018, I find unacceptable. I'll bring that up to him behind closed doors. But I am not going to blow up our nine-decade-old relationship over a 2018 uh, killing of Khashoggi. Because remember, it's 2022. As horrific as it was, that's 2018. He's the one who boxed himself into a corner. And if his staff can't get him out of it, at least get ahead of it. Cut one.
7: They're coming down every single day, the best of my knowledge. When will we see the impact of this visit? I suspect you won't see that for another a couple of weeks.
2: And, 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 we'll, and we'll
7: see more when we see gas stations start to lower their price consistent with what they're paying for the oil. Okay.
4: Number one, what an idiotic statement. Gas stations are not gouging the public. There's almost no profit in it. They're getting more from the convenience stores than anything else. Have you gone to a gas station lately? Have you met with anyone at a gas station? Have you asked them where they got their, where they parked their Mercedes and where their compound is? Is it located near or far from the station in which they own? Number two, they got nothing and the, they said it the day after the 101 meeting Saudi Arabia said to the to the entire meeting the GCC plus 3 I really have no more oil to pump all right that was that's a fact so you got nothing from it and among the people that are not happy about the meeting uh is his own party almost all the squad has weighed in on this in terms of what's going to happen with this inflation Oil and gas prices because of the trip, not much. Cut four is Jared Bernstein doing the best he can to talk about uh to talk about inflation and what he plans on doing about high gas prices, noting and emphasizing that the prices have been coming down of late. cut three. Inflation, which is unacceptably high,
7: let's get that clear right out of the gate, uh, went up 1.3% in June. Uh, again, an unacceptably high increase. Half of that increase is energy prices alone. Now, since then, the price of gas has come down 50 cents a gallon. There are now 20,000 gas stations across this country where gas is below $4 a gallon. Still too high, but that's moving in the right direction, giving Americans some much-needed breathing room.
4: Yeah, well, the problem is I don't know where those 20,000 gas stations that have under $4 gas, I have never seen it. There's more that's over $5 gas, and the thing is this is way more than we ever – than we ever anticipated paying. I thought, anyway, in my lifetime, and I think it's intentional. You know, there's a new move in California not to allow any more construction of any gas stations. So they're trying to starve us away from fossil fuels when the country and infrastructure is not close to ready. In terms of Saudi Arabia, in terms of people giving backlash on the trip, Bernie Sanders uh, um, speaks for a lot of Democrats. Cut 14. Should Biden have gone?
6: No, I, I don't think so. You have the. A- A leader of that country uh, who was involved in the murder of a Washington Post journalist, Uh, I don't think that that type of government should be rewarded uh, with a visit by the president of the United States.
4: Okay, Uh, a lot of people, including Adam Schiff and every people weighing in about that in terms of what the policy is going to be. It's very simple. It is not that we agree with Saudi Arabia. It's not we agree with the crown prince. He is modernizing his country to a degree. They have gutted a lot of the madrasas, absolutely. They do provide a lot of intelligence. we will never know specifically what it is, but we know it is extremely helpful. The other thing the president was not clear on and was basically lying about was that the initiative of the direct flights from uh, Tel Aviv to Jeddah or Saudi Arabia was the beginning of a thawing of relationship. He relationship. They came out and said, that's not the case at all. This is a convenience for the people to commute to between the countries that we thought we would put in place. And things have gotten better. And please don't tell me that you think it's because Joe Biden got elected. It wasn't. In fact, people were critical of Trump because they were, they were just befuddled why Saudi Arabia liked him so much. Here is Nikki Haley. She was on with me on One Nation last night. She sees the big foreign policy picture and sees this huge tilt towards Iran again. Cut 17.
1: The other side of it is this is Obama 2.0. The idea that he's thrown a deal out there without telling Congress, without being transparent to the American people, makes all of us feel more uncomfortable, but it puts the world more in danger. And I just I don't know why his team is allowing him to do this.
4: And they did. Uh, and I don't understand why the deal's out there. And if you want Saudi Arabia to be happy, if you want to say what is what do they need, they want the Iranian deal to go away because they don't want to have to go cut a deal to build their own nuclear weapons with Pakistan. Evidently, the whole thing's in place. They just have to execute it. So Pakistan will use their technology, make some money, and then Saudi Arabia's got to use money that they wanted to use elsewhere to go ahead and keep up with the nuclear, a nuclear Iran. They're not going to think twice about it. Listen, when we come back, I'll talk about that in the economy with Senator Joni Ernst. And it seems this administration is already, the Democratic Party is already ready to move on from Joe Biden. They ranked the top 10 Democrats for 2024. Likely nominees. No joke, Jack.
3: Expanding your knowledge base. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: It's not just local taxpayers picking up the tab. You're saying the federal
1: government is helping.
2: Well, local taxpayers are not picking up the tab and should not pick up the tab. Um, And we really need a coordinated federal response. We know um, that it's done uh, for refugees who who come uh, to to the states from all points uh, of the world. And the same has to be uh, done in this situation.
4: So that is Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C., upset that uh, Arizona and Texas are mounting these illegal immigrants, uh, putting them into buses and dropping them in Washington, D.C. After all, it's the federal government's policies are allowing this to happen. States are almost helpless, but they have to take them in. NGOs have to set up. Then they have to take over these small towns. Uh, We don't know what kind of criminals are coming across. We know we get a lot of them. Instead of that. Governor Abbott just says get on a bus and go, and Governor Ducey's doing it too. Uh, with me right now is Senator Joni Ernst. Senator, you just at the border. This is a desperate situation, and this mayor's complaining about illegals coming to their uh, to to Washington D.C. You believe that?
1: I can't believe it, because we heard on this trip to our southern border just this past week about the landowners who they don't even feel safe living on their ranches and farms anymore. Many of them have moved into town because a number of illegal migrants that are crossing through their properties, stealing their vehicles, breaking into their buildings. Um, One rancher said he can't have his 16-year-old daughter go check cattle anymore by herself, because he is so scared of what would happen to her if she was out there all alone. These people are dying um, also on their property. In one county alone, uh, landowners have found 120 bodies So far this year in southern Texas. So uh, it is a crisis. And we were able to witness this firsthand as we were on the border last week. So uh,
4: Bill Malusian tweeted out after the mayor came out and complained, D.C. is getting a small example of what tiny Texas and Arizona border towns have to deal with every single day with far less capacity. I heard the stat that only 30 percent of Border Patrol agents are actually doing Border Patrol. The rest are just processing people. What did you see?
1: Yes, that's exactly what we saw as well. We heard that from the uh, Border Patrol agents, and they are extremely frustrated because this administration policies are catch and release. Meaning that 1.7 million uh, encounters on the southern border uh, over the course of this past fiscal year, all of those folks are eventually released uh, into the interior of the United States. And we're seeing increasing numbers of unaccompanied minors, or at least many of them claim to be minors. We know some are adults. But we saw firsthand a six-year-old girl, a seven-year-old girl, both of them were unaccompanied They were not related. They weren't related to anyone in the group. They were basically handed over to these coyotes or smugglers that brought them up to the southern border. And Customs and and Border Protection Services and the patrol agents also stated that about 30% of the women and children um, will report to authorities that they have been sexually abused along the way. And those, those are just the ones that report, the Border Patrol agents are afraid it is closer to 60 percent of the women and girls are being sexually abused.
4: Senator, before you got into office, I believe, I think you were probably still in uniform. They did an autopsy after Mitt Romney lost. And they said Republicans have to be easier on the border. The rhetoric is alienating Hispanic voters. And it turns out Trump just uh, said, I don't believe that. And he was so aggressive on it from day one coming down the elevator uh, escalator. Do you believe that's changed and it's part of the reason Republicans are getting more of the Hispanic vote? Because they realize when you crack down on the border, you're not anti-Hispanic. You're just trying to watch uh, American security. Do you think that message is getting through to the Hispanic community?
1: Absolutely, and if you look at a number of these southern border states, um, it is largely populated by Hispanics, those that have come into the country legally, and they are frustrated. They were the ones that were sharing with us how dangerous it is. Um, It it is very frustrating to see these Border Patrol agents, again, many of them are Hispanic, they are frustrated as well with the policies that they're seeing, the atrocities that they are witnessing on the border. And it is resonating to the voters in those areas. And we just saw a significant win in the House not all that long ago again with um, the first ever Mexican-born Congresswoman. Um, So we do see that people are are really concerned about what's going on. Uh, So I do think this is going to be reflected in this year's election. If you talk to all types of demographics, they are extremely concerned about this administration's open border, their porous border policies, and they want to see it come to mm-hmm. an end.
4: Senator, I, I think one of the biggest stories that no one's talking about is that they cut a deal with Iran and it's up to Iran just to sign off on it without anybody, even in the Democratic Party, knowing the details. Even Senator Menendez, Senator Cardin, Senator Schumer, that voted against the last deal with Iran. And that's what also ticked off the Saudis. People think it's just about oil. Why would the Saudis do us a favor when we are actually fortifying their number one enemy?
1: Oh, Brian, exactly. That—that uh, That is the looming question out there is— That why do we continue to work with Iran, which is the enemy not only to the United States, but to so many of our allies and partners across the Middle East. And so here is the administration who has been working on this agreement with Iran behind closed doors in conjunction with the Russians, no less, um, and coming up with policy that we aren't even uh, privy to. And that continues to anger our partners in the region. They are the ones that have to stand up and really push back against Iran and their nefarious activities and the, uh, the violent extremist organizations that are funded by Iran. Um, but then we have to go begging to Saudi Arabia and others, oh, please increase your oil production, do this, that, or the other, when we haven't been good friends to them, at least this administration has not been. So, again, I've said this so many times, but the Biden administration and President Biden's foreign policy, I cannot figure it out. Not one iota. It doesn't make sense.
4: Either can our enemies and worse, either can our allies. Uh, Senator Joni Ernst, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
1: Uh, God bless you. Take
4: care. You got it. We're going to expand on the economy. We'll talk about this next election. Talk about Trump maybe declaring in September. And what Joe Biden's being pushed not to do with Charlie Hurt next.
3: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: We've been focused on the red wave, right, which we still think is coming in the House. But Republicans now recognize they could lose the Senate. And if we'd been, a couple months ago, uh, we would have said that they looked likely to take the Senate. But I'm told by Republicans to look for these fundraising deficits all across the country. These reports came in uh, Friday night, and so we're just seeing all of them. Now, what Republicans will tell you, Joe, is that they would rather take the environment, how people are feeling about the direction of the country and the economy, they'd rather take that over money, honey, any day. But this uh, lack of money is really hurting these campaigns. We're seeing it in Ohio. You mentioned there Tim Ryan, how far ahead he is of J.D. Vance. What's the consequence of that? This summer, like usually a time when campaigns are sweeping, Tim Ryan's on the airwaves in Ohio, unanswered by JD Vance saying that he's conservative, friendly, that he can reach swing voters. He shows a sheriff in an ad. He uh, has an anti-China ad. He hits JD Vance for being a hit at Washington cocktail parties all possible because
4: of this money disparity. So a couple of things are happening and that was Mike Allen co-founder of Axios talking about the money, the the Dems on in the they think they have a shot at maintaining the Senate and they think they can do it through guys like Tim Ryan, who's pretending to be a moderate. And I thought when he first got in, he was a moderate, but he's not. He votes with Joe Biden 100 percent of the time. His rants on the, on the House floor are absolutely way to the left. But he has raised—he uh, has spent $6.4 million on TV ads since winning the primary. Vance hasn't spent any money at all. Now, on the sideline is capitalist Peter Thiel, who helped put Vance in place along with Trump's endorsement. He has not spent anything yet— We'll see if that changes. With me right now is Charlie Hurt. So, Charlie, do, uh, before we get into the presidency and everybody thinks that that's obviously the more sexy thing to talk about, you see Democrats raising money to try to hold the Senate, and they're trying to do it in a place like Ohio.
8: Yeah. Well, of course Republicans are at a disadvantage in the Senate. Look at the map. I mean, if you look at the map, this is like the worst – the, the, uh, you know, because, you know, a third of the Senate turns over every two years. This is the, the low point for Republicans. If you look at the map, this is the worst map Republicans can ever face in two years from now. It gets better. And in four years, it gets even better. So so yeah Republicans are are up against something here but in terms of the fu- the fundraising yeah, difference the thing about that is yeah the and and all the polling sh- shows this and that New York Times Siena poll from last week everybody's been talking about it, is uh, is the latest to show this the democrat party has become the party of privileged whites it's it's losing working class normal american Voters, and because of that, yeah, you can raise tons of money if you're a Democrat in Georgia or Ohio or wherever, and and you're raising, you know, those fundraising numbers from Stacey Abrams. She raises more money from California than she does from Georgia. She raises almost as much money from D.C. as she did from Georgia, and so yeah. When you're the party of privileged whites, you can raise a lot of money, but that says nothing about, about um, enthusiasm and it says nothing about voters. Trump proved that you can uh, spend less money and win an election, um, but that said, absolutely, it is a, it, it, the map is horrible. For Republicans in the Senate this year, so, but but even even though it is horrible for them, we're still talking about the possibility that they could pick up a couple of seats. I mean, what people forget about the midterm elections was the
4: the Republicans lost the House with Trump, but they also gained two seats in the Senate.
8: So right, was, and they but, and they beat the odds on the House too. They didn't lose as much as yeah uh, a you know that that uh, you, you know it, w- within it was that cycle. But also, but and this is not for nothing. Um, but I think it speaks to the, the bigger problem with Democrats is that that, you know, it's it's a little bit sort of unfair when you look at the Senate today. It's actually it's not 50 50. It's 50 48. You've got 50 Republicans. You've got 48 Democrats. You have two, one of whom is a socialist. You have two independents who caucus with the Democrats. And I get that. Angus King, yeah. Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders. And I get that. And that gives them the right to pick their leader. And, you know, whatever. That's great. But the point here and of course the only reason they get the senate is because they have the vice presidency but that said i think it's important to to remember that the fact that the first of all the only way the democrats have the senate is because of the vice presidency but also that two of their members two of the people that caucus with them are not you know nor- members of their party it goes to the heart of which is this is the biggest issue and 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 i think so many people in our business sort of miss this stuff the Tea Party that the Republican part, the Republicans have been through, that decimated Republicans for the past, uh, you know, the infighting that destroyed Republicans for the past twelve years, um, is just starting to hit the Democrat Party. They are divided. They have a lot of problems that we can't even. The reason Joe Biden got the nomination is because they couldn't get behind the crazy, crazy Bernie or crazy. They Elizabeth knew it would White. be the death to their presidency. Uh, right. Any hope for the presidency? And, they knew and, it, and, and yet yeah, he was the most popular on the, the. And the problem there was uh, uh, on their own side. The, you know, it wasn't that fewer or more uh, independents. You know, you know, they weren't worried about independents. It was actual Democrats who weren't going to vote for Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. That problem still exists today, and it's why I think that you know we can play all these games about oh well who you know if they're they're going to dump Joe Biden and go with somebody else. I, yeah, I I I don't see how they go with Joe Biden, but they're going to have to find another Joe Biden because of course Joe another. Biden Joe Biden had this whole thing about how he spent fifty years being this harmless moderate in the Senate, which of course is the reason that Barack Obama picked him to be vice president in the first place, and and he was still riding on the fumes of that, even though his campaign and and when he said things like, oh yeah, I want to give free health care to illegal aliens. Most voters were like, well, he's a politician. He's lying about that. That's right. why they
4: – they thought he was a mock. A couple things. I mean, I mean we watched him debate with Bernie Sanders. Remember when Bernie says, yeah. I'm not going to stop fracking. I'm not going to do this. And and basically he did worse. He basically stopped offshore drilling. He has made – he's expanded the places uh, uh, that you can't drill over in Alaska. We know with this whole federal land and all the permits needed, you might as well not be able to drill at all. And he's also intimidated these uh, these financial firms not to
8: invest in a place that needs investment in order to drill. Oh, this, this is the high-water mark for left-wing uh, power in Washington. See, I they fear will- it's not.
4: Because if you keep training these these, these kids through college that the America sucks and that we have to go to more equitable policies and that meritocracy is dead and capitalism is
8: mean, don't you worry about that. All right, there's nothing I hate more than Pollyannishness, and, I, and I, I worry that my hopefulness isn't getting in the way of this. But when you look at the polling— and immigration is the best example. When you look at the polling on illegal immigration, um, it, it, it we have decades of polling that shows Democrat voters are not for open borders, and of course we're starting to see that in you know Texas Thirty Four and in other places. De- Democrat voters are not down with this stuff. And and so I, I obviously you're right, and you know what has happened. It's like the thing that Charles Krauthammer used to say, which was that when conservatives gave up universities and, and colleges, they uh, kind of lost that part of the fight. And so we do have a lot of young people coming on who are nuts and who are not taught like basic civics. But regular, normal, working voters in both parties reject this stuff, and and that's why I say the Democrat Party. Has become the party of privileged whites, and it, they and when things like the Green New Deal, you know, gas prices, inflation, yeah. all that stuff. When that stuff doesn't work, these it turns these people off, and it and it and it's the sort of thing I believe could turn them off for a generation. I know I'm not making the best argument here, but but. Um, but I, I, I disagree with you. I, I don't You're, think well, I, I, I don't think that Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders represent the majority of Democrats. They don't. So listen
4: to Bernie Sanders talk about Joe Manchin and Joe Manchin, who did America another service by saying inflation is at nine percent. This is yes, not the did. time to push a, a green agenda. Listen to what he said about him. Cut two.
6: I make clear to you that you have people like Manchin cinema, cinema to a lesser degree who are intentionally sabotaging the President's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. When Man- Manchin sabotages climate change, this is for future generations. This is an existential threat to humanity.
8: Look, you look at polling and everybody wants to do, you know, w- likes the planet. Everybody wants to, you know, uh, have a clean water and clean air. That's, uh, that, I, I, you know, and a hard stop, but the idea that you're going to make all of these policy changes that causes six dollars a gallon gasoline, uh, and inflation, and weakness in the world that allows something like the situation in Ukraine, or Joe Biden going to the Middle East begging for oil, none of that plays, and it doesn't play with independents. It doesn't play with Republicans, and I don't, and I don't think that it plays with. The, the mainstream of the Democrat Party obviously Bernie Sanders ha- has captured the enthusiasm. Why do you think Democrats didn't want to go with Bernie Sanders? Why were they so scared of him? they were scared Democratic of Democrats'
4: leadership, but well, the people were voting for him, right? I mean, they were yes,
8: yes. But, even though he has no
4: African American support and was about to get, he was going to get trounced in South well, I
8: would argue that African American support is that that is the key to the, my argument here. Is that 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 you know the, those most Democrat voters are not ideologues. They want things that work. They want politicians that make their lives uh, allow their lives to be better or make them better.
4: Well, do do and, it to, you know I'll believe you and I want to believe you yeah. Charlie if they if the if there's more yunkin situations where you have blue states that's are slightly purple that look at the republican and give them a shot.
8: Well, or her a shot. Well, well, look at this situation with the the uh, some of these recalls, the 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 school board members in San, in San Francisco. Very encouraging. Uh, that was, and that was because obviously, you know, the the um, you know people were able to create an you know to focus the issue on the on schools and what they were teaching in schools. But voters in the most liberal city in America, one of the most liberal cities in the world. Looked at that and said, you know what? This is nonsense. I don't want this garbage taught to my children. I know. And they won. Well, and let's so, hope, and let's I think that that's far more reflective than than whatever comes out of Bernie well Sanders the,
4: the, I mean, the best thing would be for the Republican Party is not only to win elections, but to do it with African-Americans, Hispanic votes, women, to be able to say, don't let people marginalize you and say it's the party of white men when it isn't. But the Republicans never made a concerted effort to go to the inner cities and try to dig out some support there. The best example to me is Senator Perdue. When Senator Perdue was asked about Georgia, he said, well, I'm going to maximize my vote. Just left the cities alone. And Warnock sat there in the inner city and
8: said, you have no choice. Well, let's be clear. Perdue's not particularly, exactly a great politician. And, and, and a lot of Republicans are not particularly good politicians. Um, Better than Loeffler. Yeah, that's a very low bar. Um, seriously. Um, but but honestly, I you know, I, I think if you look again, if you look at these these trends in voting and, and I hate looking at polls because you can get a poll to say anything you want. But if you look at longer term trends and President Trump has a lot to do with this in terms of um, making inroads into African-American voters and Hispanic voters. By talking about normal things they care about, those voters want stuff to work. They're right. not ideologues.
4: When we come back, uh, Washington Post put out the. He's got to go. Only, oh, he can only stay one.
8: Sorry. So this
4: is what you you're going to miss. Okay. When we come back without Charlie Hurt, the top <laughs> ten Democrat candidates for president in 2024, ranked by the Washington Post, meme with an incumbent you're president. Me, man,
8: I want to do this.
4: Right. This... It's too bad. Everyone will be back except Charlie Hurt. All of you are coming back. Allison, Eric, you're going to stay. Charlie Hurt is leaving. Correct, Allison? TV is calling. TV is calling. Julie would kill me. Back in a moment.
3: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. (laughs) The more you listen... The more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade.
7: You have to also recognize that what you're up against. And right now, we're up against the ruthlessness of a Republican Party. And I say that not naively. I don't say that even quite. I'm not, that's not a cheap shot. You see what's happening to all the progress we've made in the 21st century. All of the rights that we in many ways have taken for granted, that have been afforded since the 60s, are being rolled back in real time.
4: That is Gavin Newsom talking about Roe v. Wade, I guess. I, what is he talking about? Rights. This guy put the homeless ahead of his citizens, jacked up taxes to make it an unaffordable place to live, allowed illegal immigrants to get social benefits, continues to lock down the kids' kids in California longer than anybody else while killing indoor and outdoor dining for the longest time. He is a failed governor and thinks he's going to be president because he's a handsome looking guy. Uh, And now he's like selling himself on a regular basis. So the Washington Post put this out. The top 10 Democratic candidates for president in 2024 ranked. Is this something? What an insult. Number one, President Biden. Nice. Let's put the incoming president as number one. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. This guy is running a division that is defined by failure on supply chain, air flight, air travel. Has anyone tried to get on a plane lately? This guy who wants to make roads equitable and more honest. that This guy is so failed. Kamala Harris. I don't have to put any color there. Ob- uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, probably the best out of all of them. Senator Elizabeth Warren, absolutely a radical. Bernie Sanders, a joke. He never accomplished anything in his life. He says the same thing every single interview and doesn't know how to tailor a suit. Gavin Newsom's number seven. Number eight, and by the way, Bernie Sanders is going to be 82 or something by the time there's next election. Governor, he said he's not running. Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a failed governor in Michigan who's, uh, who locked down our entire state while circumventing her own rules. Governor Roy Cooper of North Carolina, I do not know much about him, I have to say. And number 10, AOC, who will be old enough to run. Good luck. You go nominate AOC. See if you get one Midwest state to vote for you on AOC. Listen, she's attractive. She's very comfortable on camera, good on social media. Her policies line up more with Cuba uh, than with California. Well, Actually, with California is a lot like Cuba. I would say Cuba more than you'll ever get in Montana, Ohio or even Florida, even though she prefers a vacation there. So what an insult it is if you come back from a four-day trip to the Middle East, not only as your own party manager for fist bumping with, uh, with the crown prince, but now they're listing in your favorite newspaper top 10 peep, top ten Democrat candidates for the presidency next time around. Remember the last time someone asked him about him? He attacked him on the White House lawn saying, hey, Jack, read the poll, Jack. Uh, they would prefer me over, they would prefer me number one on uh, Majority would prefer him, they would prefer him over Donald Trump. Every Democrat would prefer him over Donald Trump. I think most Democrats would do that. Currently, the Fox was very kind on a poll, he's got 40% approval rating on a poll. Three and on the midterm, the midterm polls in terms of both parties, who do you prefer to vote for? The Republicans have a three point advantage, it should be much greater. I think guns and Roe v. Wade are starting to tilt it a little bit back towards Democrats. But keep in mind, this is July. It's hard for me to think they're going to keep that going. And January 8th is really not affecting the election. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. And if you ever can't listen, get the podcast, briankilmeadeshow.com.
3: from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
4: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from 48th and 6th in midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world, especially in the Ukraine and the Middle East, the ripple effect of the big Biden trip. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. We had great weather during the weekend. It rained today. I kind of don't mind going to work When it is raining out, maybe it's not raining near you around the country, but it was here. Probably never rains in Florida or it doesn't rain for too long. Can't say the case here. Janice Dean at the bottom of the hour. She got the launch of her brand new podcast. Very, very much a factor in New York politics these days when the nursing home scandal took root. Uh, And standing by is Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, uh, focused on a possible rematch between Trump and Biden and how likely that could be. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's
5: Brian's Big Three. Number three. What we have to realize, though, is that Saudi Arabia has been a partner for 80 years. Joe Biden comes along, though, and says he's going to treat them like a pariah and ostracize them. And it's not surprising that he didn't accomplish much on this trip.
4: Yeah, uh, it is true. Middle East jaunt, a muddled, fist-bumping mess. How the president's quest for oil and influence fell short on every turn.
2: Number two. The Fox News polls are pretty telling. 56% approved of him a year ago. 40% approve now. 59% disapprove of Joe Biden's job performance.
4: Pushing out way too old Joe. As his personal polls plummet, party leaders and friendly media are looking to give Joe the heave-ho. But there's only two men that matter, Obama and Trump. I'll explain.
8: Number one.
6: But you have people like Manchin, cinema, cinema to a lesser degree who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want.
4: Scary that Senator Bernie Sanders says he's speaking for the Democratic Party. Scary that he thinks that and scary that he might be right. Economic anger and blaming Manchin for it all. Dems are reeling because they they can't spin the numbers. But Americans feel the pain. I could not believe this number. 63% of the American public goes paycheck to paycheck. So when you have that paycheck and it goes up 5%, inflation's at 9%, but in terms of real goods and services, it's over 11%. Suddenly the paycheck is not flying like it used to. There's no savings here to go uh for, a, for to go for a vacation, to go for a ride, to go shop, go out to a restaurant. And that's what matters most. And inflation matters most to the American public, not the January 6th hearings. And I don't believe Roe v. Wade. Michael Goodwin joins us now. The New York Post, Fox News contributor. Michael, welcome back.
9: Good morning, Brian. Thank you.
4: Uh, Before I get to uh, the rematch, uh, the sequel, Biden and Trump, can we get to the trip? Why are we trying to remake Saudi relations? They've always been complicated for 90 years. Why would they not have an advance team avoid that clash of shake or, or fist bump with the crown prince? And why did they not know ahead of time and brief people that there would not be any deliverables when it comes to oil and gas? Because the day after their meeting, Michael Goodwin, the the so the Saudis make it clear we have really nothing more to push out. We've hit our max.
9: Well, I think it is a, a level of incompetence in the White House uh, not to have a better idea of how it would turn out. As you say, that the. the The idea of deliverables is that the chief executive, the president, can show up with other heads of state and something will have been promised that they can announce. And that makes it look like the trip was worthwhile. Uh, But when there are no deliverables and you've already scheduled the trip, basically you end up begging and it looks like you got nothing in return. And that's kind of par for the course. As for the fist bump, you can plan these things until the cows come home but joe you you put joe biden out there by himself and who knows what he's going to do uh I, I mean i think that's the thing he cannot follow the script uh unless it's a, a cheat card in his hand uh they should have handed one that said uh do not fist bump uh the crown prince uh, but, but michael
4: look, here's the thing me and you could be arch enemies if i'm a, if there's 25 cameras twenty two thousand five hundred cameras People watching around the globe of me greeting you. I asked for the meeting. You might be, we might be enemies, but you do not, as a human being, walk past somebody, especially a crown prince. So as soon as he's on the, as soon as he's in front of the building, you screwed.
9: Yeah, look, look, Brian. I think we should just take a step backward. I mean, the whole run up to this meeting was a disaster. Uh, this is, this is again. Biden promising something that he could not deliver. So he promises that he will make Saudi the Saudis a pariah nation. Now, why you would ever say that in the first place, you know, as you said, these are complicated relationships for 90 years. And but so the idea that you can settle it once and for all because of the Khashoggi situation is naive. I mean, if 9-11 didn't settle the Saudi relationship, uh, I don't know what would. It is complicated. And furthermore, if you're Joe Biden, you made it more complicated with your de- decisions on domestic energy production. And so now you're in a pickle uh, with energy prices, with Europe uh, looking like it's going to freeze in the winter if it doesn't keep using Russian uh, supplies. So y- y- you've created this pickle for yourself, and you go there. You're, you're embarrassed. In effect, in effect, it's a walk back of the pariah concept. It is the whole the whole appearance is and then of course you muddy it further with this inconsistent messaging and this failure to get anything i mean he you know he angered the saudis and the larger picture brian is that many many of our allies no longer trust the united states and it's not because of donald trump it's because of joe biden it's because of the rise of the left and the ascendancy right. of the, the, uh, the anti-coalition uh, uh, members of Congress who look at the Saudis, who look at uh, throughout the East, and say, ha, they're no good for us. Even Israel, they look at Israel, no good for us. Uh, they, they they don't want to have these relationships around the world. And so now Joe Biden trying to please the left, as he always has been doing for the last year and a half, uh, creates another problem for himself and worse, as you say, for the American consumer.
4: A couple of things um, I want to bring to you, a column because probably the most intriguing thing that everyone talks about is Trump got to run again. And if Joe Biden wants to run again, but will the party let him? Do you believe, do you think a sequel is going to happen?
9: Look, I, I, I think the odds of it are much higher than I thought they would be. Uh, I, for the life of me, every, every time I thought about it, I thought, well, something will come along. Something will happen. Much as Donald Trump happened in 2016, uh, something will happen to both parties, and we will have fresh blood in 2024. But the more I talk to people, the more you look at the polling, the more you look at just sort of the history of the nominating process, if Joe Biden wants to run, uh, there's no way to stop him. I mean, I don't think anybody else in the party is going to unseat a sitting president. Uh, And uh, Ed Rollins uh, mentions the uh, Jimmy Carter, Ted Kennedy race as an example. It's a great example. everybody thought Kennedy would wipe the floor with Carter, right? But it didn't happen. And I I think the, the presidency is a tough position to overcome if you're challenging someone in your own party. Because I think a lot of your people in your own party will sort of put party loyalty first. And they will say, look, if we dump our sitting president, we're really in no man's land. At least we stick with the devil we know. I think that's one of the things that yeah. would be in Joe Biden's uh, favor. No, right. yeah. You know, the told, big difference is Jimmy Carter was
4: not past his prime. Uh, everyone That's just right. said, you might not like his policies, but everyone knew Jimmy Carter was bright. I mean, he was a nuclear scientist, I think, too, serving the military. So Joe Biden, if you just watch him getting off that chopper, Marine One walking to the White House, the guy is seems like he shot. It almost would seem his family would step in. But I know what you're saying. There's one person I believe that could change that Barack Obama. A call from Barack Obama to Joe saying, Joe, you can't do this. Uh, you, you, just, you, you know, I'm your friend. You got to back out. The other one that could change that would be Donald Trump. Biden would turn around if he has any brain cells left and would say, I'm the only one who can beat Donald Trump. I beat him last time. You remember what happened when you put in your, your other handpicked star, Hillary Clinton? She lost.
9: Yes, I think I think that's one thing. I would add one more to the list. I would say, if Joe Biden would have said, would say to her husband, "Look, honey, we love you. This is killing you. Uh, you know, you're not going to live forever. Let's enjoy our lives instead of this stress that uh, yeah. is going to eat you alive uh, if you continue in this job." So I think that's one possibility because she can also see. The decline. Uh, I mean, you look at, uh, Brian, you look at video of Joe Biden five years ago, eight years ago. I mean, the decline is striking. This is not this is a man who's who's on the express track at this point and so i i agree it seems unlikely from all of that but i think we we do have to respect the history of this changing of horses in midstream it doesn't happen very often
4: yeah we have a few more minutes but i do want to i want to get to trump too but the washington post uh, on the heels of your column writes the top 10 democrats And then nice of them to list Joe Biden, number one. Really? Sitting president. That's great. Uh, Then Pete Buttigieg, a joke. Kamala Harris, a bigger joke. Klobuchar might be the most competent. Elizabeth Warren, a flat-out radical. Bernie Sanders, please. He'll be 82, and he's never run anything in his life. Says the same thing every day. Gavin Newsom, the most ineffective governor uh, in the country, who thinks himself as a president. Gretchen Whitmer, might be, I think. Uh, I don't know why they see her as an up-and-coming star. I don't know much about Roy Cooper and AOC. We all know about them. Out of all those I mentioned, who would you think has got the best chance to to unite their party?
9: Um, that's that's a very tough question. Okay, you could pass. The answer is none of the above.
4: Yeah. All right. I, yeah, think, I, mean, I think I would love I mean, to, to see Joe Manchin on that list. Case.
9: Well, look, but, but Manchin would not pass muster with the left. The left will not pass muster with the the more moderate wing. Uh, I mean, the party is a mess, uh, in part because uh, the, the far left wing is relatively small, but it has controlled everything. I mean, it, look, it, to, Brian, you and I have talked about this numerous times. It is one of the great mysteries to me. Why not just Joe Biden, but Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have essentially turned over to the Bernie Sanders AOC wing of the party, all of the power. I mean, the legislation that they've put forth, everything from packing the court to ending the filibuster, these are all far left ideas. Why did Joe Biden embrace them? Why did Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi embrace these things? I mean, they're the ones who I think gave them too much power.
4: Uh, lastly, Donald Trump, they say it's, it's just a matter of when, not if. It looks like he's going to run again. And if he, lets, if he declares in September, no doubt about it, it hurts the Republicans because they've got to win in a lot of battleground states and they'll be able to run against Donald Trump, who, as even his biggest fans know, is polarizing. Do you think he's the best choice for Republicans right now? And if he, do you agree with my assessment about if he declares in September?
9: I think if you look at the polls, uh, right now he is the strongest choice. Uh, There's never been a poll that I'm aware of where he is uh, even tied for first. I mean, he is clearly the dominant figure in the party still. Uh, I mean, the New York Times poll, which you would think would be the one that would uh, try to hurt him the most because everything the Times does is loaded. Uh, they had him at forty nine percent. DeSantis at se- second at twenty five percent. So it's and look, nobody else out there on the uh, on the campaign trail is looking for an endorsement from Ron DeSantis or Mike Pompeo or Mike Pence so much. Men I respect, but they are, do not carry sway in the party. And until that changes, again Ed Rollins' point, until that changes. The nomination is Trump's if he
4: wants it. Interesting. Can you if I told you that there would be a party nominee that would be impeached twice and then they would have hearings about his sanity in his last weeks of office would be leading person for the next term, you'd say, Brian, it's crazy. I mean, we're a nation that destroyed Senator Allen's uh nomination uh because he said for And now you have you have th- you have three amazing public trials, and that Donald Trump is still the most popular. Um, on that yes. fact, are you astounded? Have you seen anything like this?
9: No, no. I, I mean, I, and, and in some sense, the harder the Democrats push on him, uh, the stronger the embrace is from his supporters. And look, if 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 not Trump, uh, I don't know who. Could unite this party more than him. I mean, despite his liabilities and despite the what seems to be that his his hold is slipping. Forty-nine uh, percent is not a great number, but it's still the biggest number. And this is just a raw process. You you one state at a time. You go through these primaries, these caucuses. Remember, back in '16, he didn't he didn't blow people away in the beginning. Uh, he was winning you know thirty percent to twenty five percent, but that 's what the nominating process is and it It plays yeah. out for both parties in that same way that if you can just keep winning or finishing second or third, picking up delegates in every state as you go and the and the field shrinks because people can 't afford to continue. That's how you win the nomination. And he is right now in the best position to do that, despite all the things you and I agree on in terms of his liabilities and, and uh, the way he has conducted himself in some of these issues. Yeah, so, not his agenda. Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah you, cannot, you cannot ignore him.
4: Right. Absolutely. I love the column again. Not a surprise. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much.
9: My pleasure, Brian. Thank right.
4: you. Yeah, I love the title, too. Grumpy Old Men, the 2024 sequel of Biden and Trump. When we come back, your calls is one 408 7669
3: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian
5: Kilmeade. But here at Gutbeld, we say no. Like Brian Kilmeade's breath, the Biden name is too strong to ignore. (laughs) Ah, oh, so now you're on his side. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about, but that is, Gutfeld, that's something you, you dug up after we got one of our, when we were on Facebook Live, someone said.
10: Someone commented on the crude comments that Gutfeld was making about you, so I went and found that, but the audience was sort of with you. They right. groaned at it.
4: I think they were. When you turn against the host of the show with his name and an exclamation point over it, I think that says a lot. Tom, listen to WRNN. Hey, Tom.
0: Hey, how you doing?
4: Good. What's on your mind?
5: Uh, just, I was just listening to you talk about uh, Trump and the fellow giving the, um, you know, Michael Goodwin percentage, you know, percentages of him getting you know the nomination. I, I know from my perspective, I, you know, I'm I'm 60 years old, and I have a certain way that I
1: choose a candidate.
5: I don't care about really too. I don't care too much about his personal life. I don't care that he might send mean tweets. He has his his own opinions. What I do care about is. Skill set. I care about the skill set of the of, of the of the uh, candidate, and I I can swallow the pill of all the ridiculous things that he may or may not have said, or the you know people may not like the you know, orange man, they might like his hair. I don't care about that. I... So he's
4: your he's he's your guy. How many other people feel like that?
3: That makes you think This is the Brian Kilmeade Show
5: Of course what's important is looking forward and the administration and all of us are focused on where else can we reduce costs for families, even as we try to bring down the deficit and, and help to reduce inflation on the fiscal policy side. The United States is in a better position than any other country in the world right now. If we make these right policy choices, it will matter. It will make a difference. It will bring prices down more quickly and give us a better chance to drive that transition effectively.
4: The transition effectively, There's still tar. That's Brian Deese, one of his chief economic advisors. They're still trying to drive this climate agenda. Of Eighty the, percent of the country, the world, is still driven by fossil fuels. They tried it in Europe. They have windmills and solar panels. You know what they want? They want the solar panels out of the countryside. They don't like the look. Europe was supposedly ahead of us and got us into this paraclimate change crap. And now we're not drilling. We're not using. We're not fracking like we should. We're not refining like we're capable. And now we're still t- pushing towards green energy even though everybody is suffering and the average American is feeling the pinch. Uh, Janice Dean is an above-average American but knows what it's like, like me, to be... Uh, paycheck to paycheck, and that type of budget. Mm -hmm. When the gas goes up, when rents go up, it matters. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be oblivious. They keep talking about
2: green energy. I'm not sure. I just – I don't know if they have a message right now. I think they're trying to get away from the things that Americans really care about and trying to sort of like, here's the shiny object over here, climate change.
4: Well, I don't know. I I think that that's really what they're driven by. It's like their only focus. I I just –
2: It's important. Listen, I, you know, I cover weather. I think it's important that we have to, you know, protect the environment for our kids' future. Do I think it's, you know, it's the most pressing thing right now, Fox News alert? No, there are other things that Americans are really worried about, and that is putting food on the table and driving their cars.
4: Uh, Janice is here uh, for one reason. Uh, She likes me. She likes Allison and kind of likes Eric, but also you have an announcement. Today is the day. The day for what? The day for what?
2: The Janice Dean podcast.
4: One o'clock. You'll have to pinch me.
2: I can't believe it. Right. Almost 20 years now. Right. And I believe all of this happened because of you. Why? Because uh, I've been doing the Dean's List now for several years, that good news story. It's a minute long. It, it's on Fox News Radio. A lot of our affiliates also download it and put it and on their shows. You hear it on shows. Channel
4: 115 on Sirius. Right?
2: I love it. Yes. And so there are good news stories and, we, and you were the one that said the Dean's List needs to be a podcast. And so all of a sudden, I get a phone call from the bosses saying, we're going to give you a podcast. And I was like, that's because of Brian Kilmeade.
4: Right. And did you actually say that or you think it?
2: <laughs> I was thinking it at yeah. the time, but I, I announced it on see, Fox see, and was, Friends this thing. morning. Yeah, right.
4: But that's yeah, well, it, I put it out it. there and yeah. then
2: I put it on social media. You are the reason why I'm here today. Well. It's true. Right.
4: You mean here in this studio, well, but not on the planet.
2: I mean, you helped me with my career. There's that's no doubt about that. Yes. yes.
4: So yeah, so You've the been Dean's You've been
2: enthusiastic list, about the Dean's. And list. it's
4: sincere because I think it's going I think it's going to be great and you are a very good interviewer. And this is a skills you have not used as much because you're always telling us about the weather.
2: Right. Well, it's right? something that I've always Or you're being loved. interviewed. Right. And I started, my career started in radio. Right. Uh, and, and back then I did interviews. And, and on Fox and Friends, I get to go out and do fun stuff like uh, the Kentucky Derby and the Westminster Dog Show. So I've honed those skills there. Uh, and why not? It's just, it's a perfect match to go from Fox and friends and right. all of the great things that I've done there and do a podcast. And I thought, who was the person the most enthusiastic about the Dean's List, and that was you. And the other reason why is when I watch you on Fox & Friends, I love the little tiny moments that you give us, the little nuggets right. of life outside of Fox, and you don't do that enough. So I thought, maybe I'm going to try to pull that side out right. of you, and I think I did a pretty good job. It's in your podcast today. It is. People have to be their own judge. That's true, and you can rate it, so I highly recommend five stars.
4: Right, <laughs> Here is a clip of oh. what you can expect when Janice Dean interviews me, but more importantly, as she starts her podcast season. I can't even buy a hose right. Over the weekend, I, I had to buy a hose for my back because it's leaks. Right. And realize realized you got to buy a new hose. But I'm can't like,
2: you patch it?
4: No, because it's right where the spout and the hose meet. Okay. It's a male-female thing. You just screw I it on. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I want to get a pocket hose because they've made it better. <laughs> I did not know they were working on the pocket hose.
2: What's a pocket hose?
4: A pocket hose is a small one, not made out of traditional rubber. Okay. It's small in cloth. Does so, it still work well? Well, that's the problem. Okay.
2: Are they a sponsor on the Brian Kilmead show?
4: So hopefully soon, except for the one I bought.
2: <laughs> right. Didn't work. So what happens? It
4: just streamed out. I mean, as much was going through the hose as was going out the sides. Right. So I'm saying to myself, I want to go buy a hose. Yeah. Didn't work.
2: It's really unbelievable. Right. That's so, the clip that we're airing. It's Allison, important. Why did
4: you pick out the pocket hose clip? I...
2: Because obviously <laughs> they want you to be a sponsor or something. Right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's true. It was a leak in the pocket.
2: It started off our conversation, yes. right? It, it eased you into it. I can trust her. I'm going to tell her about my problems with garden issues. And we started with the pocket hose. We never resolved the issue. But did you resolve the issue?
4: Uh, my wife did, <laughs> it turns out she got, see, of course she did. So what happened is we both went hose shopping together. It was, so it's very romantic mm. and because she never would have believed she wanted a spiral hose. Okay. The one that like an accordion that rolls up itself. I didn't
2: know there were this many hoses you oh, could yeah. choose.
4: It's unbelievable. So I go, we go to ACE, no, no go. Then we go to Home Depot, no go. Now, if I had come home, gone to both places, know what she would have said. You didn't look in the right place. Right. They have them. You just didn't find them. Was
2: there an internet uh, conversation about this, like going on? and Or do you have to actually see the hose when you go in there?
4: No, I've, I'm, I'm a touchy-feely person. <laughs> and I go in there and no spiral hose. So I get the pocket hose as advertised on TV. And I didn't touch it. I just screwed it on. And all yeah. of a sudden, a couple of days later, I turn it on. It's everywhere.
2: Right, which we covered.
4: So I take it off. Mm. And we and my wife comes walking in with the spiral hose. And she put it on herself.
2: And what? It, and how was the spiral hose?
4: Um, and the, the pocket hose is just laying there, dead on my porch. <laughs>
2: this is not so, good. So
4: it's just sitting there, like you never well, returned it. I am gonna. Okay. Because I should be able to, but I took it on. I, I bought it and threw out the container, thinking it worked.
2: That is the, your first wrong Big move. Mistake, right? Don't ever do that. Don't ever throw out the packaging because. There is going to be a time like now when you have right. to return it. They're not going to take that pocket hose bat.
4: How much you want to bet they do? How much you want to bet? I bet you Home Depot takes it back.
2: Well, they have to now because it's now on the radio.
4: No, no, they don't listen to the radio. They're busy. <laughs> they're they're writing their name in marker on their apron. So, so
2: come on, you can't diss Home Depot.
4: No, no, I love Home Depot. I love, plus, the CEO of Home Depot, uh, Bob Nardelli, comes on all the time. Ken Langone comes on okay, all the time. Okay, then you
2: are definitely going to get a return on the podcast. I'm not going
4: to drop their name, though. No. I'm going in, I'm going to dress like a civilian, I'm not going to wear makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have my earpiece hanging off. I'm just. I'm That's gonna, what you
2: do, right? Right. You do that. You go in dressed as Brian. Kirby. I'm sorry,
4: I was doing a live shot out front. My hose is busted.
2: <laughs> so you're um, gonna have a, a ball cap, right? And you're gonna go. So the moral the of the story is:
4: listen to your podcast. The moral of the story it's is so much better than the hose. Dawn story.
2: is awesome.
4: Right. Absolutely.
2: The you know more. what? Do you think Dawn would come on my podcast? Nope. Why not?
4: She does not know you're inviting her, <laughs> and you do not have my home number. Wouldn't
2: that be amazing?
4: Uh, Oh my goodness!
2: No. All Next right. on the dean's list. All right. So, th- Don Kilmeade.
4: I did have something to talk to you about. Okay. You have gotten very. You got it. Uh, you've gotten blitzed, and you've gotten a, the speed school of New York politics. Yes. So, today there was a story that I pulled for you. The GOP is very angry at Nick's, La- Nick Langworthy mm-hmm. because he's continuing to run. As a congressman at the same time ahead of the New York GOP, how is Lee Zeldin and others going to be trying to buck the odds where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one if this guy's going to run for a seat and the party?
2: Well, I I hear your voice on this. You're not happy with this idea.
4: Well, to me, I want to see Lee Zeldin win.
2: I think he needs help. I mean, listen, this if there's ever a time for a Republican to be a governor in New York, this might be it. Yes. So he does need some assistance. So I would say that Nick probably should drop all of the side jobs yeah. and, and help Lee. That's just my opinion.
4: You don't need to. I mean, come on. Listen. Just I, give it up. Just If you want to run Congress, fine. Get get next person up.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, can't we get Nick on the phone and try to persuade him to, you know— Drop the side gig?
4: I'm busy. I mean, <laughs> how many people do you want me calling in the breaks? I mean, I got I to gotta do that. So Lee Zeldin, somebody who emerged with the nomination, will the rest of the field coalesce around him, the Rob Astorinos, the Giuliani I think faction, that's already happening. Do you believe it is?
2: I do. I do. Harry they have Wilson? To. I don't know about Harry Wilson. There, there wasn't great blood there. But he did issue a tweet. Congratulating him. So right. I think you have to, right? This is the guy. So they have to put all of their eggs in that basket uh, the good, the bad, and ugly. And if there's ever a chance for a Republican, I think it's now. I think Kathy Hochul has just, uh, she's Andrew Cuomo 2.0.
4: And you didn't originally feel that way.
2: I wanted to like her. I was going to give her a chance. When she sat with grieving families and told us that she was sorry, she was going to be transparent, she was going to help get to the bottom of what happened in the nursing homes, Uh, I believed her. I wanted to believe her. And honestly, Brian, if she had done half of the things that she said she was going to do, I might have voted for her. Uh, Really. Right. Because to me, it's not about party. I mean, I have voted for both sides in my lifetime living in the United States. I want to I want to see somebody look me in the eye and and say what they're going to do and do that. Uh, Ron Kim and I are very good friends. He's a Democrat. Right. And I would vote for him just because I think he believes in the reason why he's A lawmaker and in government is to help people.
4: Right. You can't spend everybody's money. You can't force out horrible rich people. And you need to crack down on crime.
2: There has to be accountability.
4: Yeah. I mean, what's going on with the criminal The criminal justice system. Right. It's the same people, kill, you know, committing these crimes over and over again. Who is that helping? This is How what, could
2: you not run on that? And this is what people care about. These are the things that people care about. They want to be safe. They want to take care of their family. They want to put food on the table. And so far, you know, all these other issues are should be background.
4: Uh, do you fear that Governor Cuomo is going to try to come back at some point?
2: Oh, my gosh. I don't think so right now. I, I, You know, he's been very quiet lately, which scares me a little bit because he's the type of guy that wants to be in the spotlight regardless. And for a while, there were uh, rumors that he was going to come back and try to run as an independent, uh, which actually would have helped Lee Zeldin the most, right, because he would have completely Taking divided his party. Um, but listen, the guy is a tremendous narcissist. So he's going to try to come back in some form or another.
4: So and that will be bad news for New York.
2: Oh, if he's going to be trying to do something for New York. But listen, there are a lot of investigations still underway. I have to believe that something's going to stick and something's going to happen with him.
4: Do you miss Chris Cuomo in the air?
2: He's supposed to come back.
4: Right. That's have what you he keeps that? saying. Yeah.
2: I think it might happen.
4: And do you know where? I might. You want to tell us?
2: <laughs> There's rumors that News Nation is going to hire him. Really? Mm-hmm.
4: Allison, will you be, you've heard that too? No, oh, she hasn't. Okay. you're nodding I, along. That's a
2: rumor. I did see it sort of on the interweb. So that's right. why I'm telling you now. Um, and you know, listen, I have a problem with Andrew Cuomo. I had a problem with Chris Cuomo helping Andrew Cuomo, but I also see the other side of it of a brother trying to help his brother.
4: But didn't he say stuff about
2: you? Yeah. He called me a weather. Can I say that on this yeah. air? Yeah. Called me a weather bitch, apparently. Right, and I'm still trying to find those texts. I, I've foiled for them, actually. So hopefully, I'll know in the next few weeks, and I'll have proof that that happened.
4: Very interesting. Yeah. See, you became very tight-lipped a little bit during this the, for the New York t- State conversation. I you mean, <laughs> listen, I have to
2: be a little bit careful.
4: But no, but you should. Uh, that's true. But I mean, on your podcast, if you 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 really got to know New York State. So and the, that does become an area of your expertise. You should really jump on that.
2: You think so? Well, what I've, should I do next? Well,
4: I don't really know much about the inner workings in New York State. I know who's in power. Democrats in almost every way, shape, or turn.
2: Well, that's what happens when you become an advocate, when you become someone who wants to change something that, that has happened to your family. You learn real quick who the players are and who you need to talk to, and you also learn who the people are that are going to help you and right. who aren't.
4: And you don't really care about Democratic Republican. It's who who sees right. I don't. And wrong. It
2: really when it be, and it's not about politics when it comes to the deaths of fifteen thousand seniors. It's about right or wrong. Right. So are you going to write this or are you going to continue to ignore it? And right now, Kathy Hochul continues to ignore it.
4: And the other thing to keep in mind because Governor Murphy is not exonerated from this.
2: He's not, and, and he just Governor became
4: Governor Whitmer too.
2: No, and so if we uh, continue to beat the drums, which we are going to continue to do, I. I believe we're going to have a rally in the next couple of weeks, which I'll tell you about uh, when that happens. But if we open the floodgates of an investigation into what happened in nursing homes in New York, that in turn will also hopefully spur uh, news stories and maybe lawsuits in New Jersey and Michigan and Pennsylvania.
4: Right. And lastly, I took my tie off for radio. Was it a good move?
2: You know what? I I noticed that there was more of a casual look for you. Is this the first time that you've done that? Do you feel a little weird
4: I feel good, but the way the way you're not jumping to say I look better without it. You a time. always look
2: good, Brian. <laughs> well, she's
4: not happy with I, that.
2: Listen, I can't wait for people to hear you. One not o'clock. To, it's one o'clock Eastern. Uh, it's not just about the pocket hose. We dig
10: <laughs> deep. We dig deep. <laughs> we promise. Right, Allison? Did I get them? I it mean, was fantastic. I highly recommend everyone listen at one o'clock today.
4: All right, thank you, Janestine. Anytime. Wherever my you friend. get your podcast.
2: Yes. And you can get it at, I mean Apple and then there's Spotify, but right. also Foxnewspodcast.com. Back in a moment. What's a pocket hose?
4: A pocket hose is a small one, not made out of traditional rubber.
2: Does so, it still work well? Well, that's the problem.
3: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmead. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: I just want to let y'all know right now, ladies, uh, I am with you. I think it's your body, your choice. I agree with you on that. I agree with you. When you say that men should have no say in the decisions you make with your bodies, those are your decisions to make and yours alone. And I feel that way
0: because uh, at the end of the day, when we all go up to heaven and God's like, why are we all killing babies? We're going to be like, (laughs) (laughs) Y'all. I think they were very clear whose decision this was, guy.
3: Uh, <laughs> looks like you need to pay for your sins, babe.
4: Wow, that was Andrew Schultz. That's interesting. Uh, that uh, where was he
10: doing that? So remember, Andrew Schultz is the guy who bought his show back from a streaming service because he didn't want it censored. So that's mm-hmm. one of the jokes, and it just went live over the weekend. Wow. And he says he's sort of like he jokes that. Well, not as a joke, but his jokes are – you can't tell where he stands because he sort of – you think it's going one way, then it goes the mm. other. And where was it on? Netflix? Well, it, he never says the streaming service that he bought it back from, but he said he spent Did his life Netflix savings to so buy it back. so much courage
4: standing – not didn't take, but s- supposed courage standing next to Dave Chappelle. He said, I don't care. Quit if you don't like it.
10: Yeah, he never said Netflix. He said he really liked the executive that he worked with. They so wouldn't want to give him extra slack, but uh, he's now selling it on his own platform, which I believe is And how is, is it, it doing? It only went live. I'm assuming probably pretty well, but andrewschultz.com, I believe, you can mm. just download it directly. Sort of like the new model for comedians, right? Why sell to a streaming service that might censor you?
4: Right, and this way you could get clicks. You get paid on every click, right?
10: Probably get paid more. Right. Like BrianKillme.com.
4: Right. I don't get paid for that. Uh, I just need you to go. But BrianKillme.com to a chance to see me live in Newark, New Jersey. Really? You're going to be there anyway.
2: I would love that. October. Can I interview you?
4: What are we talking about? August, August 27. twenty-seven. What are you doing there? It's going to be Brian Kilmeade live on stage talking about history, sports, and everything.
2: And Fox. That's fantastic. Can I be your opening act?
3: Yes. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Welcome to the latest minutes of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to from midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Right. Jamie Metzl is going to join us. Remember, he's a member of the, WA, uh, uh, the WHO Advisory Committee, senior fellow with the Atlantic Council and former National Security Council official with the Clinton administration. We've been in touch constantly ever since this whole pandemic hit because he knew it was a lab leak. He knew we were being lied to. And he has more information on this. Also, the massive lockdowns by China has forced that behemoth of an economy to grow at 0.4%. And there's zero COVID strategy. As much as I love to watch the China suffer, I don't like the way the supply chain suffers in response. And we seem to be taking our time getting our economy and our manufacturing out of there. Uh, we'll talk about that. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
5: Number three. What we have to realize, though, is that Saudi Arabia has been a partner for 80 years. Joe Biden comes along, though, and says he's going to treat them like a pariah and ostracize them. And it's not surprising that he didn't accomplish much on this trip.
4: Really? Okay. That was, uh, that was Tom Cotton, Middle East, uh, Middle East jaunt, a muddled, fist-bumping mess. How the president's quest for oil and influence fell short.
2: Number two. The Fox News polls are pretty telling. 56% approved of him a year ago. 40% approve now. 59% disapprove of Joe Biden's job performance.
4: Pushing out uh, old Joe, way too old Joe, as his personal polls plummet, party leaders and friendly media are looking at uh, to give Joe the heave-ho. But there's only two men that matter, Obama and Trump. I'll explain.
6: Number one. But, yeah, people like Manchin, cinema, cinema to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want.
4: Really? Bernie Sanders, socialist, economic anger and blaming Manchin for it all. Dems are reeling because they can spin the numbers, but Americans feel the pain. Uh, Let's bring in Congressman Mike Gallagher, Transportation, Infrastructure and Armed Services Committee. Congressman, can you tell me right off what do you think the president accomplished during his four-day trip to the Middle East?
5: Not much. Um, the I look at the trip as a massive missed opportunity. Imagine if when he got to Saudi Arabia, Biden announced that his administration's talks with Iran over their nuclear program are over. I mean, they can claim they did everything possible to try and get Iran back into the deal. Almost an embarrassing obsequiousness in terms of a desperation for a deal, and the Iranians wouldn't even take that deal. so, he should have said the deal is dead. And then that would have unlocked a whole series of possibilities for his administration. He would have started to regain the trust of the Saudis as well as as well as the Israelis. And eventually that would allow him and his administration to build upon the Abraham Accords, potentially beginning the process of adding Saudi Arabia, making them the fifth country to sign up. Then things would get very excited. Uh, exciting. I, I think you could really build out that framework. But as long as they remain committed to this disastrous Iran deal, they're simply not going to have the trust or the shared interest necessary with the Sunni Arab Gulf states led by Saudi Arabia, as well as the Israelis who want to cooperate and don't want to make Middle East peace or the Palestinian issue the center of our relationship with them. So bottom line, a a huge missed opportunity by the administration. And thus far, they just don't seem to be able to learn from foreign policy failure, and thus they can't change course.
4: Which is amazing, uh, Congressman, because they should know, they understand the reality of the region and try to get a victory because he's desperate because of what's happening economically at home. And the media is dying to write a positive story, but instead he vilifies the prince. He asked for the meeting. They, the prince comes out and is greeting him right in his face, so he had no choice but to shake his hand or pump his fists And he did it. And that's what everybody's talking about. And one way I agree with President Biden, when he walks off the chopper, he says, I'll answer some of your questions. I said, do you regret the fist bump? He's like, why don't you talk about something that matters? You're right. Congressman Gallagher, what you just (laughs) mentioned is right. It's all about the deal he cut without telling us the details. And the Israelis made it clear to him that the only way to curtail Iran's program is to show them there's a legitimate military threat. And he says, I still believe diplomacy is the best way. And They said no. And the interim leader of Israel is not known as a hawk. If anything, he leans towards the other way. And he sounded like a hawk next to Biden.
5: This gets to, I think you really put your finger on what is a fundamental problem of the Biden administration. They, they they tend to think of diplomacy as an alternative to military force and a preferable alternative to military force, failing to see that the two are fundamentally intertwined diplomacy does not work without a credible threat of military action if you don't have that backing up your diplomacy then your diplomacy will fail as we discovered painfully in ukraine where we relied entirely on diplomacy and signaled our unwillingness to use military force so that's the first point the second point uh, regarding the fist bump Uh, It's their fault that the fist pump was front and center. For months and months, they hemmed and hawed over whether they would actually meet with Saudi leadership, as every president since FDR has done. They they were obsessed with the choreography of the room rather than the substance. It was an embarrassing display of indecision. Uh, Thus, they should not be surprised when they get asked about the fist pump. And then, of course, the excuse that they had for not shaking hands Was a lie. I mean, they said that his doctor told him not to shake hands and then he immediately shook hands when he landed on the ground in Israel. I mean, come on. They must think that we're actually stupid to believe that. So it's their fault that the media was asking about the fist bump because they obsessed over this choreography of the whole thing, which Uh, is ridiculous and unserious.
4: Yeah, because it was the G7 shaking hands the week before when all of a sudden the the pandemic come back and the doctor finally sobered up.
5: They had a White House picnic the day before he left. He was taking selfies with babies and kids. I mean, the whole thing is absurd.
4: All right. So, so are we in a recession or not? Here's Jared Bernstein, White House economic advisor. Cut four. It is very hard to
7: conclude that we are in a recession when you look at the payroll and the job gains that we've seen. Now, it is tricky to look around a corner here, and I'm not going to predict quarters down the road.
4: But uh, would you? Where do you? Th- I know nobody wants a recession. But if you look at what the, president's, what the president's ratings are on his job performance, uh, 31% have approved of him on the economy. And he's told us that red, the inflation would be transitory. He never said gas price is going to get this high. Does he have any credibility here? Does anybody there?
5: No. he. he I think we're in it. I, I hate to say it because I, I understand how much you know working-class Wisconsinites in my district are suffering. But this administration is out of touch with their concerns. They live— in Twitter, not on the real world. And thus they come up with these creative, you know, uh, uh, excuses for the economic pain that they're causing. And even if you don't think we're in recession, uh, we are certainly in the midst of an energy crisis of their own making. I mean, again, to connect this to his Middle East trip, uh, you know, it's the president who, on his first day in office, uh, canceled the Keystone Pipeline, launched this war on domestic. Demand- energy production, started installing radicals and regulatory agencies like FERC. And then they try and say that, oh, the only reason gas prices are up is because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, ignoring the consistent rise in gas prices because of their policies. Americans are suffering because of the Biden energy crisis, because of bad policy. And inflation is being caused in part by the reckless fiscal policy of this administration. The fact that they immediately Spent $2 trillion and then another trillion on quote-unquote infrastructure, which is really Green New Deal projects, sold as infrastructure. And then they brag about being the most progressive administration since FDR and the New Deal. And now they're surprised that inflation is out of control and isn't transitory. These crises are being caused by bad policy. And thus, they could be alleviated in part if the Biden administration was willing to learn from their mistakes and change course. But thus far, they are not. They're being held hostage by the radical climate change cults. In particular, it's high priest John Kerry. And until they change course away from that radical wing of the Democratic Party, I fear we're going to feel more economic pain and we're going to go into full-blown recession.
4: Governor Gavin Newsom was uh, talking to local Fox in Los Angeles, and clearly he's getting on the presidential footing. And with a terrible track record in California, my my feelings— Here's what he said about you guys, you Republicans, cut nine.
7: You have to also recognize that what you're up against. And right now, we're up against the ruthlessness of a Republican party. And I say that not naively. I don't say that even blight, I'm not. That's not a cheap shot. You see what's happening to all the progress we've made in the 21st century. All of the rights that we in many ways have taken for granted that have been afforded since the 60s are being rolled back in real
5: time.
4: So do you feel, are you a ruthless Republican, Congressman Gallagher? How dare you? And what right are you rolling back?
5: Uh, yeah, p- please, America, can, can we not export the insane policies of, of California and, and force them on the rest of the country? I mean, Gavin Newsom is a terrible governor, uh, seems to not be that great of a human being either, and clearly has never read the Constitution, because if he did, he would recognize how much power – Article 1, the first branch, and Article 2, the executive branch, have. And last time I checked, the Democrats were in charge of both of those. They have unified control of the legislative branch. They have control of the executive branch, obviously. So if they have a problem with Supreme Court decisions, they could certainly pass various laws. They could pass a constitutional amendment advancing their progressive priorities. But, of course, they can't and they won't. So instead, they want to complain. They want to blame Republicans. All they care about is winning the narrative, not actually winning the substance of policy and helping Americans and oh by the way it should it should worry democrats that they're losing working class hispanic voters in particular because their progressive woke policies are so out of touch with the concerns of the working class. There's a massive shift underway, and I think we're going to see some of how it plays out politically in November, at least in the House, where I I think we're going to win a lot of seats because Americans are fed up with the progressives right now.
4: Well, a couple of things are going on right now. Uh, You know, people look at Roe v. Wade and they look at the gun issue as two issues that could go to help the Democrats try to retain, retain some power in Washington. Number two, they say that one thing that might hurt you guys is if Donald Trump declares early. Even if Donald Trump's the most popular Republican, he's a polarizing Republican that might convince moderates that they can't vote Republican. Do you worry about the president, former president, declaring early?
5: Well, quickly on on abortion and guns, I think perhaps it could affect, particularly abortion, could affect certain governor's races around the country. Because, of course, that's where and, and, and state legislative races, because that's where. The issue is now going to be adjudicated and argued over and i think that's appropriate that that competitive federalism is healthy for our country as for former president trump uh, i hope he waits until after the midterms to make his decision i suspect we're going to have a competitive presidential primary and i just don't think it's healthy to have a 2024 conversation injected into a 2022 conversation because that conversation should be all about how democrats having one unified government in 2020 have completely driven our economy off the cliff and into recession and how this administration and President Biden has failed the commander in chief test, starting with Afghanistan, continuing with the um, failure of deterrence in Ukraine and extending across the board to its attempted detente with Iran, which is failing. That's the issue that this that this midterm election should be about. And then we can have a big old inner party argument about who should be the standard bearer in 2024. Mm-hmm. But we have plenty of time for that after this election is done.
4: So two things that I think matter, especially the people in Wisconsin you represent. Fox News was asked, has inflation caused you financial hardship over the last six months? Seventy-five percent said yes. Another one, your families had to cut back to afford necessities. A lot, 70 percent. Not much, 30 percent. So a lot. Un- a lot slash some, I should say, 70 percent. So do you can't say is one of these existential issues like should... Uh, the University of Pennsylvania led a transsexual swim in a race. This is stuff that affects everyday Americans. Your thought on that?
5: 100%. I mean, just look at what do we see every day. Uh, we're driving around northeast Wisconsin. We see gas prices, right? Quick Trip was at like four sixty dollars a gallon. That's a crazy increase over where we were. Look at the concerns of young parents. My wife and I are expecting our, our second child mid-August. Look at the baby formula fiasco that we've been dealing with for the last Few months it's not now, over inflation on on, on, a, on a gallon of milk is through the roof my wife just told me the difference uh, upwards of three dollars as she's compared over the last few months so it's affecting everybody in northeast wisconsin those bread and butter economic issues yeah. as well as I, I think voters make a judgment on on character and personality and there i just think they've lost confidence in the president himself he's just shown himself not to be up to the economic and foreign policy challenges we face
4: he is uh, Congressman uh, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin's 8th District. Congressman, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. Bottom of the hour, Jamie Metzl uh, brings us inside what's happening over in China now and how, what Dr. Burks did that he actually agrees with during the zenith of the pandemic. You're listening to The Brian Me Show.
3: Newsmakers and newsbreakers, here at first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio, you're with Brian Kilmeade. I made it clear. That you have people like
6: Manchin, Cinema, cinema to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. When Manchin sabotages climate change, this is for future generations. This is an existential threat to humanity.
4: See, that's a guy totally out of his mind and in the wrong country, Bernie Sanders. He's stopping climate change spending because we can't afford it. It's experimental. The infrastructure's not there. And we're already being taxed to the hilt and being paying a price for rent. Insurance rates are going up. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, interest rates are going up. You have gas prices going up, even though they dropped 40 percent. They're still astronomically high, double where they were a year ago. So he's saying this is not the time. Why do people think that Bernie Sanders is the mainstream school of thought? I actually believe if the more Democrats don't speak up, I'm apt to believe they do. The time they speak up is when they panic and pick Joe Biden because Bernie Sanders is actually leading the race. But it blows me away that that's the case. Here's Ramesh Panoro. I think, did I say his name right? Uh, um, I'm not sure. But this guy made a lot of sense on, on this morning, on this week with uh, George Stephanopoulos that did not have George Stephanopoulos on. This is the editor of National Review. Cut 10.
2: I think that the continued drama about Manchin as the sort of focus of progressive ire in the Democratic Party is obscuring a change in what's happened with this reconciliation bill it was it's always had a problem finding rationale it was always a grab bag of everything the democrats wanted that they thought that they could get with 51 votes in the senate didn't have a coherent message behind it and now i think it has shrunk down even if Manchin agrees to it it is they are now playing not to lose they are now trying to get something so they can just say we came up empty after all of these months
4: I just thought I, I really pull out a panel SOT from the middle of a Sunday show that's not Fox News unless it's Governor Christie. And this guy just made a lot of sense because I never know what Bill Back better is. It's with everything you want to do. Can you imagine if it's just Christmas? I just need a list of everything you want. But it's not telling us how it's going to help. No, because these are the things I want to do. How's it going to help you? Go? no, it doesn't matter. It's our agenda. I, I want a majority. Okay, but how does that help the country? How does it help the economy? Tell me the math that works. Tell me the long-term effects of it. Well, if you do all these things, Earth will be a better place. Really? In what respect? Because China and Russia and, and Europe are not doing all these things, and we're in the middle of an economic downturn coming off a pandemic that is the simplest things hard to get, from baby formula to tires and cars. Now's not the time to tell us we're shifting energy sources.
3: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hey, welcome back, everyone. Jamie Metzel joins us now, a good friend of the show, member of the WHO Advisory Committee, senior fellow with the Atlantic Council and former National Security Council in the Clinton administration. So there's no political agenda there. He's just a facts guy and couldn't be more disappointed in so many different aspects of how this pandemic's been handled and sees mistakes that we're still making as we get set to deal with it. yet another variant that everybody tells us we are. Uh, we should take precautions for good. And by the way, the vaccine you took, not really effective against it, but get a booster anyway. Jamie, uh, welcome back.
0: Hey, Brian, happy to be with you. Hey, uh, are you worried
4: about this new variant?
0: Yeah, I mean, viruses vary. We've never had a virus uh, that's been this widespread around the world. It's a scary virus. It's not uh, I don't think many people are going to die, but I think we need to take sensible precautions. We need to learn what we're doing and everyone. We need to just figure out as we go what it means to be safe. We don't need to uh, go into total lockdown. There are a lot of things that we don't need to do, but it's good to understand what's happening and to take sensible precautions.
4: You were you did, did a column about Dr. Burks, who was immediately in favor with the White House. The president called a, a classy lady for a while. And then he got very disenchanted with her, and she, of course, grimaced when he mentioned bleach, but he understood the concept. He was trying to say it would be great if there would be a way to disinfect a person, and he used the term bleach, and that's famously where the rubber hit the road between the two. So, Jamie, now she's coming around to what you've been saying all along. The lab leak is most likely the way this pandemic started.
0: Yeah, uh, she is. She said it, uh, CDC Director Redfield, who was CDC (laughs) Director... under President Trump, and a lot of people are saying what I believe is the only sensible position, um, which is uh, that there is, it seems very, very possible that this, this leak, that the virus stems from an accidental lab incident in Wuhan. We don't know for sure, and that's why we need a full investigation, and tragically, we still don't have one.
4: Well, what about the people that used to laugh off and mock and sometimes ban you from social media or anyone yeah. for bringing this up? and now is forced to acknowledge it's more than likely what does that tell you
0: well for sure we live in a contentious world where people are babbling in some cases we can have healthy debates on whether something is true or or not true and that, and that's great um, but i think people are babbling over the infrastructure of communication uh, and and that's really really worrying i mean as you as you mentioned from day one, I've been saying it looks like it could very well be a lab leak. I'm a, a liberal Democrat, so I didn't have any political agenda. And as a matter of fact, I was at odds with a number of people in my, own, in my own community. But just looking at the evidence, that's what it looked like. And I think we need to get back, get away from this idea of, well, I'm going to reject something because of who said it, and to a world where we say, well, I'm going to evaluate something that was said because even somebody who I don't trust. And I personally, uh, I mean, I didn't agree with lots of what President Trump said, but the fact that President Trump said, hey, this looks like it could be a lab leak wasn't enough to make, make me feel, well, if President Trump is saying it, it must be wrong. And that's why we need to take off our blinders on all sides and just look at the evidence and have an investigation to figure out what went wrong, because it really matters. Understanding how this pandemic started is essential prioritizing our responses and building a safer future.
4: So where's the day WHO and credibility line up for you?
0: Uh, Pretty high, actually. In the early days of the pandemic, and you and I have discussed this, Brian, uh, WHO Director General Tedros, uh, actually similar to President Trump, um, was praising Xi Jinping and and essentially um, repeating Chinese talking points. But then the WHO, like President Trump, has shifted pretty significantly. There was a first, what was called a joint study, which was mandated by the governing uh, body of the World Health Organization, the World Health Assembly, and it was a total sham. Um, But then the WHO uh, essentially disestablished the body that was mandated, and they created a new one um, that is trying to do a, a credible, have a credible look. into the the origins of the pandemic. They issued their first report in June saying it could be a lab incident, uh, it could be a natural origin, and we need a full investigation. And tragically, as from the very beginning, China is engaged in a massive cover-up where they're um, destroying samples, um, hiding records, they have people in prison in China for asking basic questions, and they're blocking any meaningful investigation but we need to keep pushing
4: the lockdowns that they're doing right now the zero covid strategy is destroying their economy they grew at 0.4 percent it's unthinkable and they're locking down more cities because they see some uh some elements of the virus within these cities from whether it's shanghai beijing or now others and which as much as i like to see china suffer economically the whole world suffers in response
0: yeah, so, I mean, they, China is in a bind, and their response on one hand, you can't fault any country for saying, well, we're going to take aggressive measures to save people's lives. And there's no doubt you could just shut down uh, your economy, keep people from moving, and that will save people's lives. But there are other costs. What and cost? the problem yeah. well, just, well, there's, there's the, the cost of shutting down your economy. If somebody, let's say, has, needs treatment for cancer, and there's no access to the hospital or somebody, a poor person who needs to work to feed their family if they can't work. So it's like, you, yes, you'll save lives. People, maybe fewer people will die from COVID, um, but more people may die from something else. And so that's why, unfortunately, um, societies need to balance these things. But in China... What's happening is also political, because Xi Jinping is up for his uh, recently unprecedented third term as leader of the Chinese Communist Party and the country, and that will be decided later this year. And he's staked his credibility on this zero-COVID strategy. So they're pushing this uh, forward in part for public health reasons, uh, but in part for uh, political reasons. And, and, And people in China, in some ways, are being saved. Some people are being saved from... Uh, COVID death, um, but many people are also are also suffering. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I, I want to bring you back to another column you wrote. The Shinzo Abe assassination struck you. You know this region so well, and you believe that his legacy is going to live on, and it should c- trigger the normalization of military uh, of a, a normal military instead of a passive military after World War II. They should change, being that the danger in their region and the enemies that are growing, Right
0: yeah that's, that's my view I mean I, uh, the United States after the second world uh, world War we wrote uh, the the Japanese constitution, article nine of their constitution. they disavowed war as a means of executing foreign policy and said they would never have a, a normal uh, normal military and that was in in some ways good in those early years when everybody was so afraid of uh, of Japan uh, but Japan has shown uh, over the last 70 plus years that it's it's one of the world's most Responsible countries, uh, and China um, has changed to be essentially have become uh, quite a menace uh, to people, to countries in the region and globally. They've done uh, illegal seizures in the South China Sea and the East China Sea, and uh, all sorts of all sorts of things. And Japan, I, I think, it, it is has earned the rights to just be a normal country like any other country, with a normal military like any other military. And Shinzo Abe was a great champion uh, of that, and, and I've, I've mentioned that he's, he has the potential to be like uh, Japan's Obi-Wan Kenobi, almost more powerful um, now than he was even when he was alive, because his message was uh, Japan has earned the right to be a, a normal country, and I agree.
4: It would alleviate a lot of pressure on us uh, to have somebody else who could fight in the region. Um,
0: yeah. And then the goal, the goal of having that capacity is so that we don't have to fight. But I think China, like Russia, um, when they sense weakness, it makes them more aggressive. And so the more that we can have strong alliances with strong partners in Europe and, and Asia and elsewhere, and the more we can adhere to a positive set of values about a world that's not just good for us, but good for everybody, I think that that will build a more stable world.
4: So uh, China right now, do you believe, sees an opportunity? You think they see vulnerability with us?
0: Um, You know, I think that for a number of years, China has had a sense that the United States was in relative decline and China was strengthening. And so this has been across multiple administrations where they keep taking a little step forward, a little step forward here and there, and across all administrations of recent years, I don't feel we have risen to meet that uh, that challenge. And so I feel like, again, the goal of being strong is not to fight a war. It's to not fight fight a war. It's to not have the kind of calculations or miscalculations that Putin had in, in Ukraine, thinking, well, here's an opportunity um, to get uh, to get an advantage. So I, I do think that. For many, many years across multiple administrations, uh, the U.S. policy uh, to China has not recognized the nature of the, the, the Chinese regime, the Chinese Communist Party, nor its intention. And I think we're starting to wake up to that, and we need to continue in that process.
4: Yeah, it's one thing that could bring us together. Uh, we can have a common yep. enemy, and it's real, uh, not manufactured. Yep. Uh, Jamie Metzl, thanks so much. Appreciate it
0: my
4: pleasure, Brian. Anytime. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back. We'll empty the lines. We'll, we'll to find out what you have to say about what's going on. Also, you could write me on BrianKillMe.com. Click on questions and comments, uh, contacts and questions, and it'll come to my email, and I'll be able to get to it. So I know a lot of you at work or at school have had, uh, AirPods in. You can't admit that you're listening. You can't call because people are around, but you can write. Don't move.
3: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right,
4: you want a great red, white, and blue event, if I do say so myself? I'm going to be on stage in four separate places uh, coming up. So it's basically Brian Kill Me live. I have a chance with Pat O'Rourke open up. It's fun. It's interactive. We talk about America. Great from the start with my uh, uh, launching off my history books: George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, Tripoli Pirates, Sam Houston, The Alamo, Avengers, Andrew Jackson, The Miracle of New Orleans. Uh, and then President Freedom Fighter. I'm able to go through these and bring you through time and understand why America is indeed a great country, not perfect, that we try to be. And I never knew there would be such a need for this. But there's such a push with the 1619 Project and others on, against America. We're hearing about horrible things that are happening in Monticello, ancestral home of, um, of uh, Thomas Jefferson and the ancestral home of James Madison, that they're just only there talking about slavery, not about their greatness, not about their role in America's past. So we put together this show on stage. I think you're going to love it. Um, in the past, we've I've done about 20, and they've been great. What I love most is probably the VIP time when I can talk to everybody before the show, and there might be an opportunity after the show. So that's there. So I'm going to be in Newark, New Jersey, August 27th at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. Uh, Then uh, that'll be August. Yeah, August 27th. That's Saturday. Albany, New York, September 8th at the Egg Empire State Plaza over in Albany. And then when my paperback comes out for the President Freedom Fight, I'll be November 12th City Hall Live in Brandon, Mississippi and Tulsa, Oklahoma, KRMG listeners. Please be there there first. Uh, Order now. That'll be November 13th at the Cox Convention Center. So from Mississippi to Oklahoma, I'll be there. Just go to BrianKilme.com. Uh, all this stuff, uh, everything will uh, be there in front of you. Uh, let's go to the phones before we find out if there's more to know. Matt, you're listening to North Carolina. Matt, thanks for your patience.
9: Hello, Brian. Thank you. Um, I don't want any voter or any listener to your show to let this stupid stuff in Saudi Arabia with Biden. I don't want your voters and your listeners to forget about the $83 billion of our military equipment Biden left in Afghanistan, yep. sir.
4: Absolutely. And we're coming up on a year. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to Alex. Listen in Mountain View, California. Alex.
3: Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I wanted to say that Joe Biden is not responsible for the entire inflation rate. He's only responsible for part of it, and it's about 2.5%. And you can get this number by simply taking the median inflation rate of all Western countries and subtracting that from the U.S. inflation rate, and you'll get about 2.5%. It's, I mean, any amount of inflation is terrible, so he's responsible. He has some blame for it, but he doesn't have the total blame.
4: Well, I mean, obviously, no one has total blame and total credit. 3.4% um, unemployment, does he have total credit? Absolutely not. Does he, have, does he get some credit? I, I don't know, because part of the reasons he had 3.4% is because the whole country, and we added so many jobs, the whole country was asked to go home and stop working. But we still don't have, we don't know where the other workers are. And if you want to give them credit for 3.4% unemployment, please tell me where the 11 million, why we have 11 million jobs still open and 7 million unemployed. I would love to see an offensive movement right now before recession does kick in, if it does, to try to get people to fill those jobs and get off the sidelines and how important it is in society to have a job. And we can't get, especially these service positions done. But I would bring this. There's no doubt about it. If we had sent a signal that we're willing to drill and willing to go an emergency operation in order to get uh, natural gas to Europe and our gas uh, through the country into the world market, I think that, that would be the signal to bring gas prices down because they do a lot of projection in those commodity businesses, and that would begin to do it. But there's no legitimate indication that he's willing to do any of the 10 things that oil and gas companies have outlined that he would help uh, bring prices down immediately. They've come down 40 cents. Over the last two weeks, we'll see where else it goes. Um, Here's another email comes in from Alex. Alex says, Brian, uh, love your show and everything, Fox News. Why don't you have a one-hour show with oil executives to show the public what kind of brain-dead blank we have in the White House? I'm sure the public is very interested in the topic. Uh, So, Alex, if if I can say so, go to Fox Nation and look up What Makes America Great – Uh, Even though they, for some reason, they did not promo specifics on this season, one of it is oil and gas industries, and I'm out there talking to the executives and and, and the workers, and I think you'll get an understanding of the business, and it is about a half hour, half hour, 40 minutes, and I think you'll like it. Let's find out if there's more to know.
3: More to know.
4: So Riley Gaines, a former Kentucky swimming star, is slamming the nomination of Leah Thomas, She's nominated by the University of Pennsylvania for NCAA Women of the Year. You know, she's a transsexual, decides competing as a man for years. Okay, competes as a woman, uh, becomes an NCAA champion, and now is nominated for woman of the Year by the, uh, by, by the, uh, the Female Athlete of the Year by the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he is extremely upset. He said the war combines athletic performance with academic service and character. What character has Thomas shown over the sheer selfishness and entitlement, the disrespect and disregard for those other female athletes in Thomas's interviews, uh, in Thomas's interviews is eye-opening. I hear you. Same thing. If you care about female sports and equality, you'll stand up and push back on this. Next,
10: Brian, really quick. I mean, it's at this point. Would you want to send your kid to UPenn? No. Like the school is nominating her. Give me a break.
4: By the way, that's where Trump went. They run from yeah. Trump. By the way, they never acknowledge that. I'll bring up something else. If you think this is held to swimming. You don't think they're going to be playing field hockey. You don't think uh, transsexuals are going to be playing soccer. You don't think they're going to be playing
10: basketball. Are you kidding me? And do you remember that ridiculous comment Megan Rapinoe made recently? Like, oh, parents are just getting upset about this. It's like what impacting the high school volleyball team. She totally brushed it off.
4: Yeah. Meanwhile, by the way, the U-17 men's team beats the U.S. women's national team. So if you want more elite men playing with the top women...
10: How about it? Meanwhile, Biden gives her the Medal of Freedom. Why? Because she helped get equal pay for women? I have I mean, no it's, idea. It's he did. Yeah.
4: Next, AOC laments insane cost of being congresswoman. She says, I got to be in two places. I got to pay two rents in two places. Washington's very expensive. And so is New York. I ran in both cities. It's so much. We have to find a new apartment in New York City. And I'm so stressed. Rent is wild. And the idea of searching and moving while legislating and campaigning is yikes.
10: I oh, feel so bad for her. She has such a hard life.
4: I know. And I'm sure she makes no extra money doing any other things. Uh, believe me, just on social media, clicks alone, she makes a ton. Thanks for listening.